Okay guys, so welcome back to Talking Fit. So today we're sitting down with Jake Downs, powerlifter extraordinaire, online coach, and owner of the online training platform, Donut Barbell. So Jake and I have been friends for like the last four years and I've seen him and his business go from strength to strength and also his ability to bounce back from injury. And we're gonna talk about all that in the following episode. So I know this is gonna be great. Stay tuned and please, at the end, leave us a five-star review. And go. Okay, Jake, thank you so much, man, for making the time coming down and talking with me. Mate, thank you so much for uh, for inviting me on. Um, so it's a pleasure to to finally get here. Yeah, and actually just catch up. Yeah. So um, yeah. Well, th- thanks very much for for getting me on. Um, it's no dramas, man. So wh- why don't you tell the audience a bit about who you are and all of your like accomplishments, powerlifting and personal training wise? Uh, so I've been personal training for ten years. Um, God, it's terrifying, isn't it? It's, yeah, it sounds scary when you say that. <laughs> well, like, that's the thing. It's like when we're getting to the point in our lives, we can measure the things we've done in decades. That's like <laughs> absolutely terrifying. Um, and it was about four years ago when I changed my personal training branding to Donut Barbell, which you'll now see online as much more strength and powerlifting orientated. Um, and that was partly due to what I was doing where um, all of my training was geared around um, strength training for myself but also then competing in powerlifting and I actually started competing in some strongman competitions and so you kind of what you put out in the universe like that comes back at you right yeah, definitely so people started coming to me specifically for strength and then for powerlifting and then that's just kind of like grown and grown over the last few years until I'm at the point now where my own training is like meh um, because I'm helping people at so many regular competitions that uh, even if I wanted to compete I think at the next Welsh Championships like I'd be so busy with clients that I wouldn't be able to get my own stuff done very well Um, so that's totally cool because it's, it's great to see how Donut Barbell and how my business has, uh, has evolved. Yeah, and I think you raise a really interesting point where it's like knowing where you is going to be the best use of your energy, like yeah. in terms of whether you're going to be a competitor or coach. Because I think a lot of people, especially in like your space specifically to powerlifting online coaching, try to be ultra competitor and ultra coach, and it's just not going to happen. It's certainly, I've, I have done it before, I have competed and helped on a, on a day, and it's really hard. Um, I did it when I when I came back from injury. I think I had like six people competing plus myself. Jesus. So because I was coming back from injury, I wasn't too first and I wasn't getting too hyped. I was just like, I knew what numbers I wanted to hit, and so it was kind of a bit more chill for me. So that was okay. But um, I know if I was to now go and, and do that, then I would have to. I maybe do a different comp where I haven't got somebody lifting for example. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's the thing, you take on so many people who are competing regularly, it must be quite hard to find a competition where you don't have someone who's yeah, competing. Yeah, definitely, definitely locally. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, in terms of, like, your overall powerlifting accomplishments, what are, what are sort of the key things for you? Because what you, you've probably heard powerlifter and strongman in, in this interview, and you're mm-hmm. probably thinking, Jake, is the biggest dude under the sun. Unfortunately, he's not. <laughs> yeah, we'll add some context to my side, yeah, yeah, really. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, okay, so when I... Five... Yeah, five, six years ago, I did just a couple of strongman comps that were uh, under 85 or under 100 kilos. And I think at the time I was like 75 kilos um, and like five foot in a fag butt, so like 
not, yeah. not much. Um, so I've given up a lot in, in size. And then there's actually um, uh, Emma Creswell, another trainer yeah. at, at UFIT, who she suggested that I go into powerlifting because there was much smaller weight categories. Um, and then I did my first powerlifting comp as a 70, in, a, in the under 74. But I was going on holiday, so I was like dieting. I was like, I'm just going to do the comp, see what happens. And I weighed in at like 68 kilo. And so the person who weighed me in was like, you know, there's a 66 kilo category. Why don't you just do that? I was like, oh, yeah, I probably could actually. Um, so, yeah, I did a bit more dieting then for the next comp. And I got to like, well, I got very comfortably got to 66. Um, and I guess that's where my body naturally is. Because now, as long as I don't eat like a child... Um, yeah. I kind of sit somewhere between 65 and 68 yeah so and that's the thing I think it's always worth especially when we're talking about like the strength sports and I think a lot of people view the barrier to entry as being like for strong men how mm. big and strong they are versus like powerlifting where it's a case of just you know where are my numbers what am I doing yeah. and I think that putting your size in context I think especially for a lot of dudes out there who maybe have that weird like emasculating oh I'm not big enough <laughs> thing like Competing in strength sports, like we've both done it to very, you to a much higher level than me, but it's such a friendly, open environment that it doesn't really matter what your size. Like there is, you know, there is, there is yeah. a spot for you. Yeah, and I think like the thing I love about what powerlifting and any any strength competitions really is, it is you versus you because you have some idea of looking at other people what weight category they're in. Yeah, but actually, you don't know. So whereas like if you play on a football team, it's you versus the other team, it's quite obvious who you're against. Um, but if you go to a strength competition, it's not so much like that. You can only do what you're capable of. And so long as you stay within within your limits, if you like, and obviously you are trying to go a little bit above that, then you can only ever just look to compete against yourself. And I think the more people understand that, the better they then do at competitions yeah because that's the thing I think a lot of you, you can see like the people who are going in there to try and like beat other people versus mm. the people that are just there to have a good time and just beat their own personal numbers they, and they, they'll make big crazy jumps and they'll miss stuff and yeah, yeah. I think if you focus inward and you go okay so I did like oh I did 110 in, in training for a double yeah, well, yeah. maybe you can go for one fifteen, and and that's the thing. Like, powerlifting is unlike any other sport I have ever competed in because no matter whether you are like the strongest person there, the weakest person there, it doesn't matter. Everyone gets cheered for exactly the same because it's such like a raw personal thing on the platform. Like, it's you making a stand and being like, right, fuck, this is it. Yeah. This is me. Yeah, absolutely. And so last last weekend. Um, a really good example of that. So my other half, Sabrina, who also coaches online with me through Donut Barbell. Who we're going to be getting on at some point very soon. <laughs> she So she competed at the British last weekend and it came down to a, a final deadlift between her and another girl. And the other girl was there screaming Sabrina on to get her last deadlift. Even though if she got it, this girl would have lost. But she just wanted to see this this lift being made, which would have been a, a personal best. And yeah. And I think that's the, the camaraderie is, is amazing. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's just I, I think it's one of those things where everybody understands how hard it is, like, training-wise to get on that platform. You know what I mean? Like, everyone, because they're doing the exact same events, has that, like, that 
point of yeah. common like collective suffering like we've all done deadlift sessions to get to this point we've all done bench press to get to this point like we all know exactly how much blood sweat and tears have gone into making collective this. suffering was like the best two words in that that's yeah i know i'm really selling <laughs> really selling um, strength sports to people <laughs> but like i think that is like a really good common bonding factor it's like what people keep coming back to tough mudders you know yeah. what I mean? It's all, I'm enjoying the fact I'm suffering all these random yeah, strangers. Yeah, you, you relate to that group. You know, yeah. you, you all relate to, and it is suffering. Like we do, we do put ourselves through suffering a couple times a week. That's the thing with powerlifting is it's it's really accessible because it's not like trying to do a triathlon and saying, "Hey, have you got 20 hours a week that you can?" Commit <laughs> yeah. to you know, it's like, "Hey, have you got three to five hours a week that you can commit to training?" Yes. Well, then you can probably compete. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, in terms of, like, some of your best, like, competitive lifts, where where would we, like, stack up? Um, so, my, well, my best squat is 180 kilo at 66. Jesus Christ, you make me feel so bad about myself. <laughs> uh, 120k bench, um, and then 232.5 on the deadlift, which was obviously my favourite lift. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As there's such a gap. Uh, well, I, that's the thing that like what I love is that you can always put like the real power lift is like 0.5 that 0.5 <laughs> is incredibly <laughs> incredibly important yeah I don't want to do myself out of 0.5 yeah so. is that all like you know the, the weekend power lift warrior just walks in and is like yeah I'm just going to do you know some for a bit with a few <laughs> <laughs> and if you you know if you're a power lifter because you're talking to 2.5s whereas everyone else goes in 5s and 10s yeah yeah and we're like, nah, there's, there's little gaps in between that. that's, that's the thing that I find really funny like especially like as you you know, like, Ripito has those um, brackets of beginner, intermediate, advanced. Like, whereas he's talking about training age, mine is, like, like mathematical maturity. So when you're a beginner, like, everything just works in multiples of 10s or 20s. When you're an EDM, intermediate, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's multiples of 5s and 10s. And then it's 2.5s and 5s when you get to the advanced. That's a perfect analogy. Yeah. Because <laughs> you just mature so much, especially, like, now that I'm trying to get back into doing weightlifting properly. Like, I ended up um, buying for the weightlifting club, like, a series of, like, works and, like, um, microplates. Yeah. So you're just there, just, like... Yeah, half kilo PB. That's a thing. Yeah. Like, that's why I know I'm reaching my like training maturity. <laughs> I'm becoming a grumpy 65-year-old man going, get the fuck off my platform. So I, um, yeah, my accomplishments have kind of slowed where I've been quite injured. Um, so I did the, the last British I did was two, 2017. And then um, I started and, getting some injuries. And just for, just for context, that's the British Championship. So that would be the qualifier for would that be the um, was that so you gotta you gotta do you have to do a um, a divisional to mm-hmm. get your qualifying total and then you go ahead and do the British and then generally the the British is the pinnacle of what what you would do in the UK but then if you come uh, first then you kind of most of the time will get an automatic invite to worlds or Europeans and that sort of thing yeah um, so I was really I was really happy with that actually because I moved from low bar to high bar because of my injury. Um, lost like 12k off my squat going to high bar um, but still managed to get 6th and was in a position to pull for 4th on my, my deadlift um, which if you, when people watch the video they're like why didn't they give you that lift because it's, it's so technical Yeah. Uh, so I went for I think I went for 225 on my 3rd deadlift which would have bumped me up to 4th um, but there was a little little shoulder wobble in the middle which was like no lift, um, so that was a fun day. Yeah, it's it's the most frustrating thing in the world, especially like 
when people who aren't in powerlifting or aren't in strength sports look at it and as you said just go well, why didn't you get that yeah it's like well because there is like a technical requirement here it's not like strongman where you can't just grip it and rip it and see what happens <laughs> yeah so when you got injured what specifically happened um all right so the first time was like three years ago um i started getting some adductor pain in the run-up to the comp um but when you're getting closer to a comp you end up doing such little volume and such mm. such high intensity that it was more the volume that was kind of giving me the jip. So as that eased off, I was like, ah, oh, maybe it's going. So I think it kind of just masked my problem. Yeah, and, yeah. And so I then competed, and I, I think, I think then I hit like my best total ever. And then the day after, I was like, oh yeah, I can't walk. Like this is really bad. <laughs> um, so I had, um, I had a whole year out, um, and I tore a tendon in my adductor, which is then, it keeps coming back uh, tendonitis. And so that's really just my fault where I don't look after it very well. Like I think as a, as a trainer, we're really good at telling people what to do, but maybe not so good at doing it ourselves. Yeah. I mean, it comes down to that whole thing of like <laughs> doctors make the worst patients, like PTs make the worst clients. Yeah. So I'm like, you know, what? Well, make sure you're doing your prehab, make sure you're doing a Make sure you do mobility, make sure you're stretching as well. And I'd never do it myself. <laughs> yeah, you just walk in, it's been like, take the bar for 12. Yeah, Bam, yeah. I'm there. Thought it does kind of the same. So, um, yeah, and, and so then I got back and I had another year on competing in 2017. And then uh, when I started getting the pain again last year, I kind of made my peace with it that I was like, okay, I really need to like stop trying to do so much. It's hard, man, though, like, especially when that's so wrapped up in, like, your identity and, like, mm-hmm. the way you view yourself as, like, a competitive athlete. Yeah, and, and I think that was, a, that was a huge thing, was trying to, uh, certainly in 2016, when I, when I first had, like, a year out, I was like, I'm Jake the powerlifter, so if I don't powerlift, who am I? What, what do I do? Yeah. Um, and when I was in work and I was with clients and stuff, like, it was fine, but then when it came time for me to train my mood would just like go downhill so yeah. quickly so training was no longer like a stress outlet it was more the stress or um or stressor and yeah, I, I like the way you said better the stress or <laughs> <laughs> um and so it, it took a long time I think to get over the fact that that's like not my identity and so what what other avenues of happiness do I have especially around training so um that was why I started doing some endurance stuff yeah, so what, what, like, what was like the, the, the step to that? So you start, did you just suddenly go, right, I'm going to hire Alex Viada? Mm. Or like, what, okay. was the, what was the like yeah, so inception of, hey, I'm going to become a hybrid, quote unquote, athlete? So a friend of mine um, in London was being trained by Alex Viada at the time. For those who don't know, Alex Viada is kind of known as the hybrid athlete. Who <laughs> can do anything. Yeah, who, who has really incredible squat and deadlift numbers but at the same time we'll run like 100 mile ultra marathons in the mountains um so under under his company there's the he has a, a physio in the u.s uh, an injury specialist so i contacted him um to see if he could kind of help me and he was really good in that he understood how the psychological side of things was largely what I was dealing with like I was okay not squatting but it was just like who am I what 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 goal do I kind of have with training because I think if you've always had a goal in training it really sucks when you don't 
yeah, there's nothing worse than spinning your wheels because I, I think you and I are very similar in that way of we always need to be moving forward. Yeah. Like sideward steps are just as bad as staying <laughs> standing still yeah. or going backwards. Yeah, totally. So he um, he started putting a little bit of running into my program in and I was like, <sighs> fuck. Yeah. <laughs> but it was written down. So I was like, well, it's written down. Yeah, so I've got to do it. Um, I think when so, that's why I always think it's really funny when you see people who like we have all the knowledge to write our own programs but if we do we don't stick to it 100% but when you've got someone who's coaching you you're like well it's written in paper therefore <laughs> yeah. I've got to do it um, and then actually the, the friend who recommended recommended uh, I speak to Taylor for Christmas I had an email come through and it said you've been entered into a 10k uh, thanks you, coach <laughs> And so I bring my friend, I'm like, do you get me a present? He went, yeah, yeah, I, I entered you into a 10K. I was like, oh, motherfucker. <laughs> so then I had to basically train for it. Yeah, yeah. So then a year later, I got my own back and I signed him up for a powerlifting comp. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. Tyrant is fair play. So yeah, that, that led me then to um, to then do, to do 10K. And then last year I did a duathlon. And so this year now I'm going to do two 10Ks and another duathlon. So now that you've branched out from, you know, powerlifter to hybrid athlete, mm. how has that affected the way that you see the man in the mirror? You know what I mean? Like going back <laughs> to like that, that identity piece. Mm. Like how, what do you see yourself as now? Um, I think because I am quite small and going through school was always, I always, oh, it was, sometimes it could be a bit of a bore like being so small, right? Because people want to try and crack the short jokes or uh, give you shit for being little. So, hey man, I was super fat. Like, we had the same problem, just the two <laughs> different ends of the spectrum. Um, so I think that, that strength training and then powerlifting, first of all, became a bit of an outlet for me to, like, show off yeah. and be like, hey, I'm little, but look what I can do. Um, and it's, it's the same in endurance. Like, being little is not an advantage because um. <laughs> <laughs> when you do think about it actually yeah it's the turnover rate for like stride length and everything yeah oh yeah. god so um, I think have you thought about chess as a sport <laughs> like as like an album <laughs> you know what I mean there's no kite thing that way <laughs> nah so me, me and Sabrina talk about it sometimes like why we why we do it um, and people like they see me do my running workouts sometimes so like the last few weeks I've been doing a lot of intervals to get ready for the 10k at the end of the month and like why they, they look, they look grueling like why do you want to do it and I'm like well partly because I want to be better for myself but also I was like I like people underestimating me and me then going hey you thought I could do x but actually I can do y yeah um and that, that yeah I mean that's quite a I don't know, selfish isn't the really word, but... Um, I, I, I think it's there's a very fine line between, like, self-absorbed and self-focused, mm -hmm. if you know what I mean. Like, I think that is, especially, like, as someone who does view themselves also as a bit of an underdog for different reasons, like, it's it's very much one of those things where you get to prove to people that it's not about the size of the dog in the fight. Yeah. It's about the size of the fight in the dog, you know yeah. what I mean? And I think that's such like a, an intrinsically like motivating thing for us as humans. Like we like to prove people wrong. Yeah. That, that's such a good analogy. I really like that. Um, and sometimes I think it, 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 you can tread a very fine line between self-belief 
and just being an arrogant bellend. I mean, so where, where do you think that line is, though, man? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because like you can have two, you can have two people, right? And one of them doesn't back up their level of quote unquote arrogance, mm. but they're really they're, they're just cool guys. That's mm-hmm. cool. And then you've got the other person who you know is an asshole but doesn't come across as arrogant. Like what? What you know? Where's the? Yeah, where is it? Where is the line? What's the thing that makes? I think that level of confidence, arrogance. Is it just being how, able to... how how humble you are with it, and how humble you might be with your achievements? I think that plays a very important role in whether you come across as you've got a lot of self-belief or mm. whether you're just arrogant. Yeah. Um, the, yeah, there isn't, there isn't far between them. But the thing is, I think it's funny that you gravitated towards the two sports in which having an ego <laughs> has a very extreme consequences. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, anyone who's ever tried to get under a squat bar or, like, try to bench something they just cannot do, and they're like, yeah, ego definitely took me for a ride on that one. Oh, okay, or, yeah. like... Yeah, or like doing ultra races or going to endurance. Like if you if you like you know write a, write you a check that your ass can't you're cash. not going to do it. Like you yeah. failed. Oh. Yeah, yeah. You so see, you, yeah. Um, I think uh, certainly now with like social media as well, right? When you post stuff, that can be an indicator of where you which side of that line you fall on. Yeah, definitely. Um, how you say that. How you how you say like you you did X Y or Z, so for me like if I'm putting videos up, I do think about what I'm writing because I don't want someone to think God that guy's a dick. <laughs> yeah. I know, but it's so it's so easily done, isn't it? Because yeah. like I, I don't know, it's that weird thing where social media, by the nature of what it is, is like uh, a curated collection of individual moments from your day, your week, your life, right? So it's really you'd think it'd be easy to portray exactly what you wanted because you can edit how you yeah. want you can write what you want but then you're just kind of left going well fuck what do I do what do I say and I'm like I'm like oh I've got to rearrange these words because that makes me sound so cocky I'm like I am a bit but I mean I don't want to be that cocky yeah exactly so yeah that, that can be quite like oof I don't and, it's, and the thing is like it's still, it's still such a young medium for like self expression you know what I mean like I think a lot of people are still figuring it out and how social media works in terms of like what people like versus what they don't like is it varies so much like you can put out really good informational content get absolutely nothing or you could do what I've been doing recently is doing like posy photos with some asinine bullshit in the bottom (laughs) and then everyone's like 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 well that's the thing man because it's it's stimulus isn't it right so if you're reading something you've just got black and white you're like yeah yeah eh. Then you put a picture in, and some suddenly more attention gets to it. But then you could you could not put any writing and just put a video of you squatting like two hundred for a few, and everyone's like, "Wow!" And it's not necessarily what you're doing is far more impressive. It's just that it, there's there's far more stimulation because it's a video, yeah, and there's yeah. color and there's noise and there's like there's music and stuff. And so social media has been really good for that. Yeah. Um, but that's that's a tough game to play. Yeah, it really is, and that and. I don't know. It's social media in a lot of ways gives me a lot of hope for the fitness industry because it's a medium by which you can get so much good information out there. Like I love following like Steffi Co and Jordan Shallow. Like people are putting up really, really good content, mm. but at the same time, for every one of them, you've got ten like fucking gym shark bros <laughs> who are just like tanked up to the max on all the gear under the sun. Like yeah, take my like buy my ab building ebook or fucking booty blasting yeah. butt builder. 
Like Steffi Cohen is a really good example of, of being incredibly good at something, but then humble with it. Oh, yeah, she's great. But I wouldn't be able to put my finger on why. Like, she's insane, and she posts all her stuff, but at no point do you ever think, oh, my God, she's so arrogant. I, she's got that. She is, she is on that. Line. Yeah, and you know what, like, as, as, as fucking, like, woo-woo as it sounds, I really do think it's because her her content matches up with her voice. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, at no point do you ever think, I'm not reading how Steffi Cohen speaks. Yeah, yeah that's cool. You know what cool. I mean? It's yeah, like, I'm with you. Yeah, and I, I, I don't know, I think when you get it right and you, you speak as your most authentic self, that does transfer over. And I think that's also, like, kind of, when you look at the evolution of hybrid athletics... Her Hayden, like all mm. of that team, especially like, did you see um, her two twenty seven squat? The, yeah, yeah, it's just unreal. Um, but like that team that they've got together is really just seems to be, I don't know, just the the ultimate expression of they've like you said put good shit out into the universe. They put their most authentic selves out there, and it's paying them dividends. It's coming, yeah, yeah, that's true. It's coming straight back. Yeah. I think that's a. I don't know. I just think that fitness in, the fitness industry as a whole is such a huge potential to do that for a lot of people. Like, I was I joke around with my dad about this and saying like, I dream of a golden age where the fitness industry, like we, are the barrier to entry before the NHS or before <laughs> like actual clinical practitioners. Because if you think about the majority of personal trainers, whether they are you know good or not, because we can have that like discussion about the unregulated nature of the industry, like to death we can do a lot to help with weight issues that are causing back pain like it's when people go to a physiotherapist and it's like yeah my back is killing me it's like do you sit all day yeah are you Mm. overweight yeah are you inflexible yeah is your mobility like shit yeah okay cool let's start there let's not like let's not put you in for loads of treatment let's find out actually what is going on and obviously there's going to be a certain level of like upskilling in that yeah to get to the point where we can refer out to other physios or do whatever but I think that we have the potential as an industry to serve the greater public more than yeah. just simply. I think, simply I think there's being... still a very big majority of people who would say suffer with back pain or they suffer with knee pain and they don't ever see exercise as the reason why they're getting, like them not doing the exercise as the reason as to why they're yeah, in pain. Yeah. And they just look straight past that and go, how do I fix it? And you're like, well, stop treating your body like shit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but they, they would bypass the trainer. And so, yeah, maybe if there was an avenue for them to go before they arrived at a physio's door or the doctor's yeah. door. I just think that in the same way that diabetics and obese people can get um, GP referrals for, mm-hmm. like, you know, for their weight issues, I think there definitely needs to be an evolution where people can do that for the pain that they're in. Yeah. And that's not to discredit what the physiotherapists do. It's just saying that at the end of the day, their time should be spent rehabilitating people that actually need distinct rehabilitation as opposed to my hip flexors are super tight because I sit 10 hours a day. Yeah. Never stretch, never go through any movement. And at the end of the day, like, I think it was Stu McGill who said this. I'm not entirely sure. So sorry, Stu, if you're listening, which you're definitely not. Um, but, but it is awesome. But it is, he is awesome. But like, it's the position that you do not train for or are restricted by that will lead to your injury. Oh, uh, Yeah. And it's just, it's so true. It's like the thing that you're not prepared for is what is going to injure you. Yeah. And unfortunately, people's state of readiness is so incredibly low that life is injuring them. You know, we're the most advanced bit of survival kit that's ever been. <laughs> and we're getting hurt walking through life. And picking up pencils. Yeah, exactly. 
and it's just absolutely bonkers. So, I mean, so leading on from that, why do you think that more people need to be engaging in strength? Because the thing that I want to make really clear about Donut Barbell is that it's not a, um, a training platform just for the elite level powerlifter. Mm-hmm. This is for anyone and everyone who wants to actually know what it is like to be strong and do so in a way that is going to actually benefit them um, throughout the entire life cycle of their training. And that's something I Mm. really want to dive in a lot more in. So you can just... So I think both Sabrina and I, um, we love strength training for its mental, for for the mental side of it as well. So you're faced with going in the gym and okay I, I want you to hit a, a three rep max on your squat like it's daunting um, and it's sometimes a little bit scary and so you have a lot of inner demons that you're trying to fight to get over that and that will carry you through to what you do outside of the gym um, but you you're doing it in a controlled environment so it's it's a form of mental training um, without specifically advertising that or specifically saying that, you know, because um, you do have to overcome certain things when you are in the gym, and that's only ever going to help you then as you step outside. Um, I think for, for both Sabrina and I as well, like from overcoming our injuries, albeit hers far more severe than mine, you you then do get you do get this kind of mental power um, that then you're not really phased by anything. Well, you're yeah. not phased by certain things, you know, and you might get, you might get things that will, that outside of the gym, you might get things that are very stressful, very hard to deal with. Um, and you, you know that you have these, these methods of overcoming it because you've already got that way of working things through in your mind. Yeah, 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 because you've had to do it like four hours a week in the gym, and yeah. so that really helps you then outside of the gym. And I think more and more people are starting to realise that. And certainly, certainly this year, like I've had, um, I've had quite a lot of newcomers come to me, and I'm like, okay, what's your goal? And they're like, I don't really have a specific goal. They're like, I know I just want to be stronger, and I want to be stronger mentally. And I know that that's going to start with getting stronger physically. And that's so cool. Like to see that as like a um, a real shift in like public consciousness. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I think it's so cool that you you led immediately with the mental side of things because like I know that we've like chatted about this a lot, but I completely agree with you in terms of there is nothing that I have learnt of any real value about myself that I have not learnt in the context of sports training mm-hmm. and or martial arts like that's really been like the core value of where yeah, I've and, made the most mental growth and it, it and it also builds on habits and if you just oh, have yeah. if you just have a few habits and you know they're healthy habits that they're then going to drip over into other areas of your life if you can be a habitual person chances are you're going to be a successful person yeah exactly because that's the thing like it, it, consistency mm-hmm. consistency is what ultimately will win out and especially like I think a lot of people don't really grasp how um, how extreme of a change it is to get to the point where training and or physical activity is habit mm-hmm. you know what I mean like you go to the gym cause mm-hmm. you know what I mean and the other thing is like we've 
day to day we have so much information like thrown at us mm. you know like adverts uh, you can't even like go on your phone without your phone reminding you of something like Amazon like hey you were on here three days ago do you want to buy this and so you're constantly fed with like so much information that also for you to go to the gym spend an hour doing nothing other than shitting yourself because you're like I've got to squat this it's it's mindfulness time yeah you know it, it's time away from all those other distractions and it's time we and for most people and myself probably included it's one of the few times within the day where you actually inwardly focus and you're not worried about the external things that are going on around you you're just worried about am I braced am I gripping this bar tight enough where do my knees want to be where do my feet want to be so it, it's it's very very inwardly focused yeah and I think sometimes you don't you maybe don't get that so much when you're doing when you're just going through the motions in the gym if you're going through the motions in the gym because you want to be healthier like being healthier is great, but it's kind of difficult to measure. So, whereas if you have a goal to get stronger, it's much easier to measure. Can you squat 100 now? Yeah. Can you squat it for three? Well, you've made progress. You've got that thing that you're working towards. And so, because you're inwardly focusing on what you're feeling, I think that's a really good thing for people to have. Even if it's like three hours a week, it's still yeah. probably three hours more than they were doing. Yeah, and I think, I remember talking to my grandfather about this very thing, like, back um, years ago when he was alive, um, back when I was still competing, and it was very much a case of, he, he said, like, you've got to think of passion as, like, a flame. Out of control, and it will burn everything around you. Like, a bonfire will, like, a wildfire will burn everything down, but a torch will light the way. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's, like, it's such a good way of thinking about it in terms of, like, like you said, is that it's that focal point. It brings everything into that sort of internal perspective mm. of I'm here right now. I'm in the moment. And it's one of those things where like people talk to me about like, why do you like lifting heavy so much? It's like, well, don't get me wrong. Like a set of eight will kick my ass, but nothing makes me go. I'm here. Switch on right now in the moment. than when I'm going for like a triple or a double or a single. Yeah. Like yeah. it's there. It's me. There are very distinct consequences to me not being focused on what I'm doing. Yeah. And I love that. Yeah. I, I like I like that as well talking about the rewards and then your risk risk reward ratio yeah so I like I like mountain biking um, and there's quite a bit of risk involved with that obviously you're going down a hill pretty quick on a bike um, a lot of reward quite a high risk factor with squats bench press and deadlift getting stronger on those for people looking outside in they go they think like bad for your back or oof bad for your knees but actually the reward for it is incredible uh, the risk for it sorry is incredibly low but the reward is incredibly high yeah so for anything you can do in a gym like it's winning the race of the risk reward reward ratio right yeah and like I, I put a post out about this the other day where I was talking about you only really get injury when your workload exceeds your capacity to deal with that so when people talk about like Oh yeah, squats bad for your back, bad for your knees. It's like, well, no, squatting like an asshole, both in terms of how much weight you're putting on your back for the sake of your ego, or not having proper technique, not doing your mobility, your warm ups. That those are the things that ultimately lead to injury. Or doing it too often. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like, when don't, you're not ready for it. Yeah, like I remember doing the. Um, squat every day thing for like three months years ago <laughs> I think you, you and I knew each other at this point and I was just like looking back and I'm like there's a direct correlation between like 
how frequently I was squatting and how much self-loathing I had. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like you're trying to deal with everything at once via the medium of squats. It's like no wonder I felt like shit. But that, and that's the thing. It's like it's using it's using a template, well, as a program to measure and control your intensity and drive. Like that ultimately puts down the process, which leads to your success. And you know, like there's a um, a really good strength coach. Um, who works in a tactical space called Jeff Nichols. And he did a really good article where he talked about like process fundamentally leads to success because if you don't succeed, it's happened for one of two, succeed at uh, your given task. It's because of one of two reasons. Either you've deviated from the process or you did not put the right plan together. Mm. Yeah. And it's one of the two. And it's a lot easier to go, okay, it's one of these two things as opposed to, uh, well, my my sister's gynecologist's dog died and I was really (laughs) upset about it. (laughs) The the, the process is so important yeah um, and I think like that's one thing that I'll that I try to focus on because uh, what, certainly when I get power lifters they arrive and they're like right I've got this comp uh-huh, and I want to lift X, Y, Z you're like okay cool that's an outcome but we need to look at the process to get in there and I find with strength training that and, and powerlifting as well is it, it's a lot easier to make that outcome or establish a more realistic outcome so if somebody comes in, they're like, uh, my max squat is 150, I've got a comp in 12 weeks and I want to do 200. Um, and instead of you just going, oh, yeah, it's not going to happen, you go, all right, could you do 190 for three? They go, oh, God, no. Right, well, you're not going to do the 200 for one, then, are you? or you can just keep working that backwards. Yeah, and you yeah. go, like, could you do 180 for five? No. Could you do 160 for seven? No. Well, you're probably not going to get the, the end one, then, are you? So you then can establish the the outcome a little bit easier by focusing on the process to get there yeah yeah. so you know just by then going okay well you do 150 for one now well if we do 150 for three then theoretically we can get you a 160 and yeah and i think that's so incredibly important in terms of like expectation management because i think that if there's one thing that lets so many people down both from a coaching perspective but also as a client perspective Mm -hmm. is they don't manage the expectations on both ends it's like if you say to the, if you say to this person like well okay cool yeah we're gonna you know allow you to you're you're going to squat two hundred I guarantee it I promise you and then you don't you don't fulfill you're in the situation where it's like well either I'm a liar or <laughs> you fucked up client and in yeah. which case they're not going to trust you and or like you ever again exactly yeah so yeah the the, the process is so important but it's, it's not often spoken of yeah yeah and people who are successful like regardless of whatever the fuck they do those people who love enjoy the process have a pretty sick outcome oh yeah so yeah 100% there comes a point where if you're doing this for an external reason you're going to fail because if it doesn't if like if your motivation doesn't come from within you're going to be without like it's always going to fall down the final hurdle yeah yeah that's so true the internal motivation is so important I just think I don't know (laughs) what what do you think has been the proudest moment of your coaching career thus far? Oh, um, last Sunday, so with, with Sabrina, my other half, although, although she is my other half, uh, I, having seen what she went through, so for the listeners who don't know, she tore her Achilles twice and had to have a third operation where they cut, uh, cut the gastro, cut her calf, Seeing her go through like two years of shit to then not only get back to competing when surgeons and physios said you might not get back to competing, but to then 
get herself to the British and then be at the British getting a five kilo squat PB, which was so scary for her. Like squatting was was really scary. Um, and to then be in a position where she's like pulling for first place, like it was an emotional, teary day. Oh yeah, no, I can imagine. Um, and I think that well, that one's probably, I'm, I'm saying that one because it's really prominent in my, my mind right now. Um, and I wrote a post on it like two days ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so that one's really on my mind. But I think also with that one is that because I was with her every day, you know, I, I saw her on her crutches. I was having to take her to work, and you know, I was there for her when uh, when the when she was getting really upset because she's so frustrated because she's on crutches and and nothing causes an identity crisis for an athlete <laughs> like injury. Yeah, and an injury that takes you. It wasn't a case of oh no, I can't squat, but she was like. I can't go to the shop. I can't walk to the shop for you know a while. So, yeah, that that was pretty. That's that was pretty epic. Um, but it yeah, it'd be really tough to pinpoint one one specific thing. And I think like I was talking to this uh, about about this with one of the other personal trainers downstairs, James. How a lot of the people that you have, a lot of the people that I see one to one, they come to you. They might come to you with a goal. But the goal is kind of like, you know, really what they want is they want to feel better and mm. they want to make sure that they don't get in, go, go into an early grave because life is so busy and if they don't put aside that side, that time, then they're not going to be doing it. They're not going to be getting healthier. Yeah. Um, and simple things, are, simple things like where somebody, um, I had a, a lady train with me last year who was 67 um, and she came for like three months and she had been seeing a chiropractor every week for like a year and she was like I've just had my last session with a chiropractor she was like so happy she brought in like a card and a bottle of wine for me and stuff and like that's completely down the other end of the spectrum from what you see what I do online yeah yeah um, but that was like a, a teary moment you know where she was like so happy um, to not have to go back to a chiropractor and then going back to what you were saying earlier she never thought that exercise would fix her back problem. <laughs> Man, it's the cure for what ails you. Like, I mean, from a physical and a mental perspective, like I, can, I can't think of a whole hell of a lot that the general public goes through that can't be cured by just, just moving. Like, it, it, it's the medicine, man. Like, it really is. And I, I think it's so true what you just said about how the goals they come with, like, in their mind, they're like, yeah, I need to lose 10 pounds. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, cool, you need to lose those 10 pounds, but then what? Mm-hmm. Because if you're not dealing with that, you know, that consciousness that you've got around movement, around exercise, around training, you're going to be with another personal trainer or back in my office <laughs> having this exact same conversation a year from now because you never took the time to actively fix what is going on. Yeah. And I think that's really what for me separates the good personal trainers from the great personal trainers is the fact that they look at it as a re-education process because ultimately it's it's understanding that people yes have this idea of what they want but that may not be what they need mm-hmm. and even though for the first however many months you may have to like you know hide the veggies under the cheese <laughs> you know <laughs> give them what they need eventually they will come around to seeing exactly what you're doing and what their overarching goal is like I've got um I got a client right now who is um, he's getting married um, in a few months, and he his whole thing was you know I want to get in shape for my for my wedding, and I was like cool, absolutely no drama, that's brilliant. 
and I was having a conversation with him um, the other day in his uh, last training session last week and his whole thing was you know what I, I want to look good for my wedding like I'm vain I'm human that's all cool but I've got two young boys hmm. you know what I mean you are never ever going to be fitter than your children like it's always going to be a case of they're going to keep getting fitter and unfortunately father time is undefeated <laughs> yeah. so he wants to be in the best shape that he can be for his boys like he literally wants to be harder to injure harder to kill he wants to be the dad that can pick his boys up run around and have like you know gnarly old man strength and now his goal is to be bulletproof yeah exactly yeah. like the the, the the goalposts change because life changes and you change and I think it's just saying like it's okay to start this entire process as Mr. or Mrs. or whatever you choose to identify as, I want to get shredded in 12 weeks. But you can but, move them. Yeah, but that goal changes because you change and that's fine. Like if you get to the point where you realize, man, you know what? I don't really care about having abs anymore. Like knowing what you don't want is just as freeing as knowing what you do want. And I think a lot of people really miss out on that. Yeah, and I think a lot of the people that, that we that we would deal with on a day-to-day basis, they might have a goal of losing 10 pounds or, or going to the, getting leaner for a holiday or whatever, but what do you do on a daily basis? What environment do you create for yourself? So family, work, friends. Like, if you're always coming to see us every week and you're saying... Yeah, I messed up on the weekend. Um, I got really drunk and my friends and us, we had some dominoes. Like, okay, well, maybe limit the amount of time that you're spending with those if they're not making you the person you want to be. And man, like, people really don't want to hear that. This environment they've created for themselves. This is a tough conversation. Yeah, yeah, man. And that's the thing is the fact that, like, it's so internally, um, not internally fixed. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's so, like, focused on their identity because... The, you like you know that whole thing like you never outgrow the five people you spend the most time <laughs> with like you were just the sum of their parts yeah it's saying like you right now are your one it's your own fault mm. two you created the environment which also means that you can change it like yeah. that's on you and it's that real like honest conversation about like are your friends serving your purpose Yes, no. And I'm not saying you need to like cut your friends loose and become like a barbell hermit. You know <laughs> what I mean? But it's, ha- it's being open to having that conversation and say like, look, if we're going to go out on the piss, then that's fine. But I'm going to stick to clears. Mm. You can't force me to have five Jaeger bombs yeah. and six pints and all the rest of it. Like, It's knowing where you can draw your line in the sand. Because I say to my, I say to my clients like a lot of the time, when you are presented with an opportunity to make a, a bad decision, is it a fuck yeah or a fuck no? <laughs> it's that simple. Like, if it's, I'm going to go have cake at my friend's birthday party. Fuck yeah. Brilliant. Do I really want to go out with the boys and get smashed when I've got a personal training session on Monday and it's squat day? Fuck no. Fuck no. Like, it's it's got to be that black and white. But that also requires that they need to be honest with themselves. Because if you say, oh yeah, totally, fuck yeah, I'm going to go do this. And then you have regret afterwards. Like, you know. You <laughs> automatically know whether you made a good decision for you or not. And it's, it's trying to teach people to be honest with themselves. Yeah, and in that, in that scenario as well, right, it's trying to view things in context. Oh yeah. Because you go, you came to me with a 12-week deadline and... You know, we'll we'll go, okay, we'll walk around some social situations. But if your social situation is cropping up every Friday, Saturday night, then we probably need to start 
reining that in a little bit yeah and maybe being a bit more selective yeah and that's the thing like Kane and I are um, prepping some girls for a photo shoot at the moment and the first thing we did was like right what are you, what are your like um, your main social occasions like what are your non-negotiables mm-hmm. best friends Hindu, best friends wedding of course you're not going to negotiate on those like you can't be like sorry I know this is like you know your really important day but I got a photo shoot I'm getting ready for <laughs> it's just like just go there enjoy the day don't make it eat like an asshole beforehand. Don't eat like an asshole afterwards. Keep it as a single isolated incident and move on. Yeah. Perfect. Because I think people definitely get into that cycle of um, binge and restrict. It's like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, no, I went 700 calories over, but I'm going to be 700 calories down the next day. And while from a physics standpoint, that is right and is a good short-term fix, having that as a long-term mentality or like your main yeah. form of damage control. You know, that's really hard for us as well when we get people who are like, oh, I... Oh, I squatted Monday, and it was it was like really shit. Uh, it was really hard. I couldn't hit the numbers you set me. And you go, okay, well, what happened on the weekend? They're like, oh yeah, well I went seven hundred over Saturday, and then I went seven hundred over on Sunday. Okay, and then you're wondering why it felt like shit on Monday. And then you're wondering what did what made you go over by seven hundred? Because there's a very big <laughs> difference between yeah, man, I was hungry and I just had like you know more vegetables, steak, and potatoes <laughs> versus yeah, I had some like you know a lot of ice cream and whiskey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, well, okay, there might be a very like, good reason. Them alcohol calories ain't going to fuel your next squat. Oh, don't, I know. And that's the thing, like, don't get me wrong, I know it always comes down fundamentally to physics in terms of fat loss. But, man, like, health and fat loss are not necessarily interlinked. <laughs> like, I know that some, like, some of the most unhealthy people from both a physical and mental perspective are some of the most shredded people I've ever met. But it, it's a case of like, yeah, so long as you don't fall into that binge and restrict mindset where you think, okay, cool, just because I've gone over just means I have to restrict the following day. Yeah, I think that's, it's the same as that all or nothing mindset. Well, but yeah, but then you get last chance syndrome and then it's just <laughs> like, and then you're there walking into the one pound cookie section with a fitty and just going like, right, this is me now. <laughs> this is my life. Yeah, yeah. It's that, it's that all or nothing. It just doesn't, it doesn't work like in any situation. I think sometimes in fat loss, all or nothing works for a very short period. Like if you, if someone's like, they're on a six week curfew because they're going on holiday or whatever and you, they cannot control themselves around chocolate, then okay, maybe you don't get the 200 calories in chocolate. Maybe you get fuck all <laughs> until you go on holiday. Man, but that's the poison you chose. So, like you got yourself to the situation where you went, okay, yeah, I'm fat and I've got six weeks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Like this is the result of your choices. So either own it and say, okay, maybe I'll be a little bit more moderate. And just accept the fact that I'm not going to be inside out in six weeks. Or I can do six weeks of protein sparing modified fasting because I hate myself. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, doing it for two weeks just broke me. Absolutely broke me. Did that for the photo shoot? Yeah. Yeah, it was not It was not a good experience. The weird thing though, slept like a baby. Slept better than I ever had under any other form of calorie restriction. Because your body was so fucked. And it was like, I need to... Rec- <laughs> <laughs> no, it was just weird though. Like... It's, it's definitely something I would not recommend for the average person because like mentally by the end of it like I was just absolutely what was shocked. a typical day like? Uh, it was 300 grams of protein um, and some wilted some wilted uh, spinach in a day with some fish oil that was it so it was about 1200 calories oh oh mate it was not good it was absolutely not good. Oh, so I think I did 1,800 on the final week of, of my diet, and I was like, yeah, that's, that's bad enough. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, it, was, that. it was more the fact that I knew that I could just do it for six days, 
carbs on the seventh, and then go. If I hadn't have had that carbohydrate refeed, like if I tried to do it for two weeks straight, mm-hmm. I would have died. You would, yeah. Yeah, I would have just been like inside out, but incredibly, incredibly dead. It wasn't good. But I mean, it's, it's one of those How things. How did you like, find the, the photo shoot? Because I did my first one as well. Like I found it. It was weird. I found it incredibly disappointing, in all <laughs> honesty. Like, I was very, very proud of what I managed to achieve. Um, because, I'll, I'll, I mean, ultimately, no matter which way you slice it, like, I started off at, um, oh Christ, started off at 87 kilos, and by the end of it, I dropped down at my lowest at the end of PSMF to 74. That's low. Yeah, 76 on the day. Yeah. And now I sit comfortably somewhere around 80 to 82, which is, like, a really nice, happy place for me. Like, yeah. I can train, I'm... Not much. I'm not much fatter than I was on the day, but mm-hmm. it was just the fact that I went through all that and I didn't measure up to my own expectation. Mm-hmm. Like I thought I would be so much leaner, that I would have so much more muscle, and it's sort of that really weird thing of being confronted with the reality of what you are and having to be okay with that. Yes, mm-hmm. that's a, that's definitely pretty tough. Yeah, yeah, it is. It was it was a tough experience, but at the same time, like I I would not have changed it because it's given me such a perspective in terms of fat loss the plan I put together it's given me a much greater insight into who I am as a person like and you can relate to you can relate really well to the clients who are like I'm just not happy with my body you know you can really relate to that yeah. after you said after the day right but, yeah exactly and that's the thing and I bet that, you feel different about it right now to how you did on the day oh yeah on the day I was just like I had a great time on the day I had a great time on the day and it wasn't until I actually saw the photos and don't get me wrong the photographer was fantastic so shout out to Bobby you were great it's it was me. It's I was shout out to Bobby as well because he yeah, did some sick yeah. videos. For yeah, website. Bobby is awesome. He's a cool <laughs> dude. Um, yeah, so you can follow Bobby on Instagram at Relapse Reels. Go do that. The man is sick. But it's very much a case of I was confronted with the reality of what I brought to the table and that didn't match my expectations. Now, that either comes down to, like I said, one or two things. Either I didn't have the proper expectations mm. or my process was fucked up. In all honesty, both. Because mm-hmm. looking back on it, I, I have a million and one things that I would do differently. Mm-hmm. But it's it's like so a lot of the SOS guys are doing a photo shoot at the moment, and um, I, like they ask, "Do you want to do one?" I was like, "No," because one, it's mentally draining, and I don't need that in my life right now. Mm-hmm. Two, I would be bringing the exact same person physically to the table as opposed, but just in a more timely manner. That wouldn't mm-hmm. necessarily make me any better as to be bringing the exact same package. Mm-hmm. And that's not something I want to do. Is like, I think people look at photo shoots as being this incredibly like cathartic thing, which don't get me wrong, they, they can be. But it's a case of like making sure that you've managed your expectations the whole way going through that. And now that I'm prepping some girls for a photo shoot at the moment, that has been the thing from day number one. It's like, how do you manage the expectations? Do you know what you're getting yourself into? Are you okay with your body mm-hmm. right now? Like, how, how do we manage that? Because I, I really did not expect the level of emotional fallout that I was going to have once I saw those photos. Yeah, okay. And everyone, was, and don't get me wrong, everyone was really, really nice. And I wrote a post about how I didn't meet my expectations. And everyone's like, oh, you look great. Well done. You still did great. And I'm like, yeah, but I didn't do this for you. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't do this for likes. I didn't do this, yeah. you know, as a snap for the gram. I did this because I wanted to see how far out into the deep water I could push myself on a subject that's very, very emotionally driven for me. Because, like, I was always a really fat kid and I always hid behind, like, being bigger and stronger. And mm-hmm. that justified the fact that I was fat. And <laughs> yeah. it's... 
like if you think about like how much my body's changed in the time that you've known me mm-hmm. like I'm a completely different you human being you were way being. heavier when I met you yeah I was like 94 kilos when I yeah. met you when, but I was still competing in powerlifting and there was that thing of like you know cool that's yeah. who I am that's me and you know now down like over at my yeah like Jesus at my lowest that means I've lost 20 kilos from the start when I mm-hmm. met you fucking I've never thought about that that's Jesus Christ yeah. um, that's that's the perspective Santa that's, um, that's like nearly three stone right yeah Jesus but yeah I mean, it's one of those things where I look at it and I think I don't know it's it's such an emotionally driven thing for me because like I was bullied because I was fat I have a lot of body confidence issues and I relate to my clients in that perspective but it's a case of doing that was scarier than any powerlifting competition. Like, mm-hmm. when people think powerlifting and strong that, right? yeah, man, like, physically and everything else, like, I never thought that I would ever feel more exposed than, like, when I'm wearing a singlet with a crotch <laughs> to audience bench angle. <laughs> like, that is, the mo- <laughs> that is the most exposed I thought I'd ever feel until I did this photo shoot. Yeah. And then just being open and honest about the whole process, that was, like, that was hard. Yeah. That was really, sure. really hard. But, it, but ultimately, like, as with all things, you've got to push yourself out into those deep waters to see what you're made out of. You know what I mean? See, like, see what you can do. Push yourself. What, yeah. what, what, what are you capable of? What are you capable of enduring? And that's the, and which brings us back to that suffering thing. Like, you know, at the end of the day, training is hard, but it's a suffering that you choose. And ultimately, mm-hmm. like, you know, iron's forged in fire. Like, it's just that simple. If you want to get better, you're going to have to put some sweat equity into it. You're going to have to do something because nothing was ever achieved. And it, a lack of it gives you, it gives you that that group identity for for us in powerlifting and, and strength training and strength training. It, it gives us that group identity because uh, it's a very powerlifting is an incredibly lonely sport. It, you you do it on your own and you compete on your own, but there is a huge uh, group community to it. Oh yeah, the camaraderie is amazing. And so I find that in that that regard, it, it's it's quite strange you know the, the training you do is just on your own on your own you're just there lifting on your own unless you kind of lift in a club well that's different but for the most part it's very lonely but you then have you then have you identify as a group you identify with the group you know you were like you are the powerlifters um and then that really helps you when it comes to game day yeah because no one's your enemy mm. and no one is your enemy everyone's there to support you it's like that whole thing. Like I remember the first powerlifting competition I ever did, like an absolute dickhead. I um, forgot my wrist wraps. The guy who was in like the weight class before me was just like, "Yeah, man, use mine." Yeah. I didn't even have to ask. He just saw that I was like, like having a meltdown in my gym bag because I was about to go take my last like warm up. He was like, "You okay, like, dude? You're okay." It's like, yeah, I've just been a dick. I forgot my wrist wraps. I oh, better use mine. Yeah. Like, in no other sport have I ever competed in have I been in a situation where someone's essentially gone like, oh yeah, you can use my shin pads. Just there you go. Yeah. Yeah. And I just think it's an amazing experience. And I think more people should definitely look into, you know, trying to get under some heavy weight and potentially stepping on the platform. I mean, I think everyone needs to do some form of competition at least once in their lives, mm-hmm. no matter what that be. But I think for people who want to kill two birds with one stone and know what it's like to actually see how far they can push themselves get as strong as like just get fuck off strong and then also get to you know fuel that competitive drive and, and powerlifting is an amazing place to start yeah and you'll have that definitive date as well yeah yes. man to, like work expands to fill time you need to make sure you've got that distinct timeline and that's an important thing and I think and that's another life lesson isn't it like you put down that date and you go for it yeah and it's just that simple 
Right, I think you've got to shoot off in a second, so I think we better bring this thing in for a landing. Uh, Jake, man, thank you so much for the interview. It's been absolutely awesome. I'm sure we're going to have to do this again very, very soon. Yeah, definitely. Um, where can the people find you on all the, all the socials? Uh, so you can find me on Instagram, um, at Donut Barbell, and it is do nut, do nut Barbell. Uh, same website is just DonutBarbell.com. Um, if you want to have a look at any powerlifting, just search for um, Welsh Powerlifting on Google, and you'll come up with the Welsh Powerlifting Facebook page and their website. Um, there's actually a competition in Cardiff next month, the 27th of April. So that'll be at the compound, which I believe is Penarth Road. Yes, I believe that is Penarth Road. Um, so if you are thinking about competing um, and this one is too soon, then just come on down, come and watch, come and say hello to us. Um, and then uh, see if you like it, see if you see if you like the look of it. And if you want to do another one, I'm pretty sure we're going to be having another one in the summer. Yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be really, really cool. Um, what I might do is I might come down on the day then and actually do some like, live videos and stuff. Mm, that'd be sick. sick. That'd be yeah, cool. That'd be really, really cool. Get some of your actual like, lifters up on blast and just see what's happening. Yeah, there should be a lot from, uh, from Donut Barbell. So that'll be Man, good. That's super cool. Okay, so guys, as always, if you like the episode, leave us a five-star review on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, no matter where you're listening to this. It really, really helps out the show. We're going to be back next week with another exciting episode. So please do support all things Talking Fit. Find us on Instagram. Find us on Facebook. All the details for both Jake and us will be in the description box in wherever you are digesting this particular episode. All right, guys, until then, this has been Talking Fit. Thank you very much.